You're listening to Seed of the Woman, a podcast dedicated to telling the grandest story of all and to exposing the mystery of 666. Randall Gilmore here. In this episode, I want to continue in Revelation 12, 1 through 6, and go further into the significance of the woman's escape to the wilderness for 1260 days. And I encourage you to listen all the way to the end, because what I uncover in this episode is a key to understanding so many other scriptures on end times, including what the scriptures have to say about when the world can expect to see the beast out of the sea rising to power. Now, before getting into that, I want to take a moment to comment on a couple of things happening on the world stage, especially things tied to the COVID-19 pandemic. And the reason I'm making these comments is because so much of it goes to the heart of why I'm doing this podcast. It's no secret that government and media portrayal of the pandemic has fostered a whole lot of fear. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the pandemic isn't real or that getting COVID-19 is just a walk in the park. I have friends who've died from COVID, so I know it's real. But it's the fear that world leaders have been fostering that seems to be pulling average people, even some Christians, into embracing political, economic, and religious solutions clearly tied to the rise of the beast out of the sea and his number, 666. Solutions like a one-world government. It's a solution that's been on the minds of global elites for some time. For example, a few decades ago, no less a celebrity than famed news anchor Walter Conkright, he said this before a gathering at the World Federalist Association. I'm in a position to speak my mind and by God, I'm going to do it. (laughs) First, we Americans are going to have to yield up some of our sovereignty. That's going to be, to many, a bitter pill. Today, we must develop federal structures on a global level. To deal with world problems, we need a system of enforceable world law, a democratic federal world government. Most important, we should sign and ratify the Treaty for a Permanent International Criminal Court. Pat Robertson has written in a book a few years ago that we should have a world government, but only when the Messiah arrives. He wrote, literally, Any attempt to achieve world order before that time must be the work of the devil. Well, join me. I'm glad to sit here at the right hand of Satan. (laughs) These days, whether Satan is mentioned directly or not, the same contempt for Jesus and for God's plan stands behind the efforts of global elites to persuade average people to see the world their way and to get on board with their plans for global governance. And the fear fueled by the pandemic seems to be providing them with the perfect opportunity to move their plan forward. I just finished reading a book entitled COVID-19, The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab, the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. Schwab says that the pandemic stems from so many people in the world consuming so much and not paying attention to climate change. His theory is 
All the consumption and disregard for the climate has increased human encroachment on parts of the world where all types of viruses exist. But with their ecosystems disrupted, the viruses make the leap from animals to humans and then from humans to other humans. And the solution, according to Schwab, is a change in world governance. A great reset, as it were, in the political, economic, and religious systems of the entire planet. Put in the simplest possible terms, Schwab writes, if as human beings we do not collaborate to confront our existing challenges, the environment and the global governance freefall, among others, we are doomed. Thus we have no choice but to summon up the better angels of our nature. By the way, the better angels Schwab has in mind mean less patriotism, less nationalism, and less religion and less reliance on the U.S. dollar, with greater possibilities tied to a global digital currency. Now I have more to say about a global digital currency in a future episode, but I want to point out for now that several nations have been in the news recently because they are launching digital currencies of their own, including both China and the U.S. And what's interesting about the Chinese digital currency, the digital yuan, is the Chinese government's ability to control how people use it to buy or sell. Beijing has boasted that its digital currency allows it to monitor every transaction and that it can turn its currency on or off anytime it wants. Like I said, I'll have more on developments like these in future episodes. Meanwhile, please understand, the fear that exists in the world today because of COVID-19 seems to be providing the perfect opportunity for global elites to advance their plans. But it also means the perfect opportunity for Satan to connect these plans to himself, openly, like Walter Conkright did, to himself and to the man of his choosing, the seed of the serpent, the beast out of the sea. So these developments are such obvious warrants for deepening our understanding of Jesus' story, the story of the seed of the woman, and our understanding also of the mystery of 666. And that's exactly what we're doing in this podcast. Okay, I'll take a quick break, and then we'll head back to Revelation chapters 12 and 13 to learn more about when we can expect to see the beast out of the sea rising to power. In the previous episode, I began a deep dive into Revelation chapters 12 and 13 to learn more about the beast out of the sea, the man who rises at the end of the age to become the seed of the serpent, the man whose number is 666. And here are those verses once again. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished 
for 1260 days. Now, obviously, the beast out of the sea is not mentioned in these verses directly. The book of Revelation doesn't mention him directly until chapter 13. But this is his backstory. And so, in the previous episode, I share that the woman represents the nation of Israel, and the child she gives birth to is the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The dragon is Satan, who tries to destroy the seed of the woman, but without success. Meanwhile, the dragon also takes aim at Israel, knowing that if he can destroy Israel, he will succeed in discrediting God and God's promises. So, Revelation 12 and verse 6 says, Israel escapes into the wilderness for 1260 days. Now, I know that this summary and the details I've shared so far do not fully explain all the symbols that we read in these first six verses. For example, I've yet to talk about the significance of the woman being clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and the crown of 12 stars on her head. And I've yet to talk about the seven heads, and 10 horns, and 10 diadems of the dragon. I'm not glossing over these details. I'll return to them in future episodes. But in this episode, I want to go further into the significance of the woman's escape to the wilderness for 1260 days. Now, the first question about the 1260 days is, are they literal days? Everyone remembers what Moses wrote in Psalm 90 when he said, God, a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. That kind of makes it sound like it's possible that a day stands for a much longer period of time. The Apostle Peter used this principle to warn everyone not to think that the Lord is slow in fulfilling his promise to return. And so he wrote, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And so how do we know that the 1260 days of Revelation are days and not years? Well, the answer is because the book of Revelation itself makes this very clear. And it does it with multiple references to the same period of time, but described in different ways. It's a technique intended to signal that the 1260 days are literal not figurative, not symbolic of eons of time. So, for example, in Revelation chapter 11 and verses 1 to 3, the Apostle John wrote, Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, Rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations." and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my witnesses, my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. Now there's obviously a lot in these verses, but my focus for now is on the question of whether we should understand 1260 days as literal or symbolic of a long period of time. So notice in Revelation 11.3, the mention of 1260 days. But right before that, in verse 2, the same period of time is described as 42 months. And by the way, the time frame these verses describe is based upon what's called a zodiacal year. A zodiacal year consists of 12 months of 30 days each. 
It's called a zodiacal year because it's tied to the annual movement of the sun through the 12 constellations of the zodiac, something I talked about in season one, connected to the timeline featured in the Old Testament story of Noah and the flood, and something to which I'll return later in this season. But for now, it's obvious. 42 months, consisting of 30 days each, equals 1260 days, or three and one half years. And that takes us back to Revelation 12, but now to verse 14, where we're given more details about the woman's escape to the wilderness. Here's what verse 14 says. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. So now there is a third way of representing the same period described earlier as 42 months or 1260 days. It's the expression time, times, and half a time. Many Bible teachers explain that the word time in this expression stands for one year. The word times, plural, stands for two years. And the last expression, half a time, refers to one half of a year. So if you add the three together, time, one year, times, two years, and half a time, half a year. You get three and one half years. And using this way of reckoning, time times and half a time equals the same number of days as 42 months and 1260 days. You should know that the expression time times and half a time actually comes from the Old Testament book of Daniel. It's found in Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 where it describes a period of time that one particular end-time ruler will have to speak against the Most High and persecute the saints. The way the end-time ruler is described in Daniel 7 sounds like he could be the beast out of the sea. Because like that end-time ruler, the beast out of the sea, according to Revelation 13 and verse 5, opened his mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and conquer them. And so the expression time, times, and half a time in Revelation 12 and verse 14 appears tied to the same 1260 days found earlier in the chapter in verse 6 and to the 42 months found later in Revelation chapter 13 and to the book of Daniel chapter 7. With that said, you need to know that some Bible teachers don't believe that time, times, and half a time should be understood as three and one-half years. They believe it simply refers to a limited amount of time. And the idea is that the words time and times start a progression in which you would expect a doubling of each new term added in. And so, they say, you would expect the progression to read time, times, and then quadruple times which they say would have indicated a never-ending amount of time. But by breaking the progression and saying instead, time, times, followed by half a time, they say that the expression simply indicates that the period of time it describes will indeed come to an end. Now, back in Revelation 12 and verse 14, no matter which way we take the expression, time, times, and half a time, either as another way of saying three and a half years, 42 months, and 1260 days, 
or as indicating just a limited period of time. Either way, it's obvious that John does not intend for us to apply the one day is a thousand years principle to the 1260 days and 42 months that the woman is hidden in the wilderness. The 42 months are literal months and the 1260 days are literal days. Meanwhile, John also wants us to know that the days and months that he writes about are also tied to Daniel's prophecy about end times. And why does that matter? Because it reveals when the world can expect to see the events of Revelation 12 and 13 begin to unfold. And when exactly the beast out of the sea is expected to rise to power. It's tied to a period of time lasting for 1260 days at the end of the age. But what else is there to know about the tie between Revelation 12 and 13 and Daniel's prophecy? And what is the significance of the dragon's seven heads, ten horns, and diadems? And how will all of this involve the governments of the world, leading up to the beast out of the sea and his number 666? More next time on Seed of the Woman.